Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Wednesday, March 15th, 2017. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. President Park Gin hai has been removed from office in South Korea, impeached, asked to exit the Blue House. That request came from her country. What she leaves behind is a legacy of deceit, disappointment. Oh, forget those abstractions. Puppies! The Korean Alliance for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals accused Park of animal abandonment for leaving her Jondo dogs, two adults and their seven puppies. The pups are now considered too young to be separated from the mother. And a spokesman for the Blue House said that Park showed no concern for those adorable little vestiges of national shame. So I have looked at the uh, the office of the president of South Korea. There have been uh, 14 presidents, and things have not gone well. Perhaps South Korea escapes our notice as a dysfunctional country, especially when it comes to the chief executive. I mean, they have had one president who won a Nobel Prize. But the others have not done so well. If you go through the list, let's uh, just take the first five. Number one, fled amid protests. Number two, a figurehead who resigned. Number three, a strongman who was assassinated. Number four, forced to resign after martial law declared. Number five, seized power in a coup, deposed, sentenced to death, later commuted. Things don't get better from there. We have presidents, one won Nobel Prize, one left office peacefully. One served two terms, was later convicted of treason, mutiny, and corruption. One was deeply unpopular, left office to live on a duck farm, and wound up committing suicide because there were too many people suffering because of him. Even... Park's direct predecessor served a five-year scandal-ridden term, is deeply unpopular. He might be the third best South Korean president ever. Good luck to the next president of South Korea, and please take care of the puppies. On the show today, the trumpeting of Trump's taxes meets the sad trombone of a less-than-shameful 2005 return. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, wait, this one year's filing is less than shameful. You're forgetting Trump's entire tax oeuvre. That's a bit of a stretch. And that is the subject of our interview today. How much of a stretch is too much of a stretch? Our guest is the nimble and dexterous Maria Konnikova. I'm here to tell you about one of the most attractive automobiles you're ever going to lay your eyes on. And it's not just how good it looks. It's everything that can do. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior, which won me over, 
is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, the interior is built with integrity using the most robust of materials. The Defender capability is legendary whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Cargo capacity means you got room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to do what you do via your intellect, via your passions in life. It is to explore with greater confidence. Ready for a wide range of adventures? The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, the Defender 130 that seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Joining me now is Maria Konnikova. She is so many things. She is the author of The Confidence Game. She plays Is That Bullshit With Us, where we take a scientific claim and subject it to scrutiny. Now, I don't know. We have to fill some time in this segment, so Maria, so we're going to stretch, okay. as they say. All right. Let's Actually, do it. We're going to talk about stretching. So I had this idea. This is, this is where it hit me. I've uh, been running a little bit. I was made to run a 5K. But sometimes before I run, I do a little stretching and it hit me, oh, this is, this is just primitive thinking because after you run, uh, certain muscles hurt, right? So what do you do beforehand? You stretch those muscles and then you figure, oh, so that will stop them from hurting. It seems to make sense. And I guess for years, people are telling us it makes sense, but I want to know, A, does it make sense? The way we usually say that is that bullshit. But I'd also love to know how they figure out if it made sense. So let's start with that. Do you want to start with history? When did people tell you to stretch? Was it during the Peloponnesian War? Pretty close, pretty close. Um, It's To the best of our knowledge, it comes from yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, wrong deity. Oh, Vishnu. Huge yoga skeptic. Yeah, so we've got, it's about 10,000 years ago um, in the yoga records where you had stretching. However, um, and this is important to note, in yoga, it's not stretching before or after exercise, that is the exercise, is the right? Exercise, yeah. um, and so it's a different, it's a different before, storm. Before yoga, you should do a 5K and that will help with the stretching. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that's the first time we know that people stretched. Mm-hmm. But they didn't start stretching as part of kind of physical therapy, um, as far as we know, um, until the late 1900s. So in 1887, oh, yeah. Sweden became the first country to certify physical therapists. Mm -hmm. So Sweden decided, hey, physical therapists, let's make this a thing. And so they made it a thing. Um, And part of that was stretching? That was part of the Swedish regimen? Exactly. And so part of the one of the things that they tried to figure out is how do we make people recover better from injury? Mm -hmm. And so somehow this idea of stretching came in, you know, they were saying, oh, yoga, you know, Maybe they're thinking yogis don't get injured as much. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what they were thinking in 1887. But somehow stretching made it into their ethos for injury recovery. And that Sweet. is, to the to the best of my knowledge, that was the first instance where we have you should stretch if you don't want to get injured um, if you're a Swedish physical therapist. So was stretching a big part of, you know, the calisthenics craze and Kellogg and 
all, all that, um, you know, ter- turn of the century, maybe late 1800s in America, the same movement that led to, you know, physical education and uh, Hiawatha squats. And I guess Dr. James Naismith inventing basketball at the Springfield YMCA. Was that all, was stretching all a part of that? It was, but it's very interesting because not in the same way for all of those different things. Oh. So different countries think that everyone thinks stretching benefits you. Yeah. But different countries have developed a different ethos around why exactly stretching benefits you. So one of them is injury prevention. Another one is injury recovery. Right. Um, another one is strength and flexibility. So performance that you actually will become better. You'll become a better runner. You will jump faster and higher. Um, you know, my gut. My gut tells me that might so, be true. But okay. So so people so people have yeah. different expectations and there's actually things on a high shelf perhaps perhaps um so different um countries develop different kind of this is what stretching is for and they also develop different protocols do we stretch before or do we stretch after okay um and i guess the united states has gone through both movements um before (laughs) we used to stretch before now we stretch after you know there's all this stuff and just to complicate it a little more there are actually multiple types of stretching So there is static stretching. That's kind of like, you know, that's when you hold a pose Mm -hmm. for for a while. So like when you reach down to touch your toes Mm -hmm. and stay that way for a little while. Say hypothetically. Hypothetically. People do this. Yep. Yep. Um, That's static stretching. Now, if you were to go through a range of motion, like, for instance, going down and up, like squatting types of stretching, that's Uh dynamic stretching. Sure is. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So there's also different types of stretching, and there are different schools of thought on which types of stretches you want for what purpose and exactly when in your exercise regimen. And are all these Just to schools make it of simple. thought equally bullshit? <laughs> um, Let's go through them. Yeah, so so there's actually been some work on this okay. um, where people have tried to compare different types of stretching. Um, the first that came under any scientific scrutiny was static stretching because mm-hmm. that used to be kind of the, the way that people yeah. stretched. Also easier to um, study. They're all standing still. Exactly. Yeah. Static stretching before exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what these scientists did was they had different groups of people who were exercising um, and they had some of them do static stretches and some of them not. And then they measured a lot of different things. This was in a lab. So they had a lot of physiological measures and they measured what exercises can they do after. For instance, what range of motion can they go through? How much weight can they mm-hmm. lift if they're, if they're doing leg exercises? How fast can they run? So what, what is actually happening? And in separate studies, they, these people didn't actually look at injuries, but then there were, there were studies of injuries. And what they found was totally counterintuitive. They found that stretching beforehand actually weakened muscles. So it made you less strong because the muscles were already tired. Yeah, you're fatiguing the muscles, yeah. pre-fatiguing so, the muscles. Exactly. Right. And so you can't lift as much. Right. You can't go as quickly. Right. Your muscles are actually saying, holy shit, like you've just exercised me. Why are we doing more? Yeah. You know, we're done. Makes sense. We're done. Yeah. And so that has been replicated multiple times. So it's pretty, pretty common not common knowledge, but it's pretty established that static stretching before is not great um, if you care about 
maintaining the strength of your muscles. Because if you think about what happens during stretching, your muscles actually get damaged. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not no, this is not normal. Yeah. And so what? You, well, it's not that it's not normal. I mean, how muscles build is like you create right. tiny tears, and that's and that's what you're, what you're doing. doing. Yeah. So you, yeah. but then you create tiny tears, and then you're running on those tiny tears and stressing them Before even more. Before there was weight training. I mean, the whole Charles Atlas thing with dynamic tension is like yeah. using your muscles against each other. But it's right. not like it didn't work. I mean, right. so, so by essentially it was stretching, and people would add. Yeah. Muscles. And so you would ask yourself, yes. yes, why would you stretch before lifting weights if you if the stretching is itself a tiny form of weightlifting? Exactly. Yeah. No, no, they and that's always dyna- sold, but that's dynamic that's stretching. Dynamic. That was always yeah. sold to me as well. You want to stretch and warm up like this was the same yeah. thing, but they're not the same thing. They're no, it's actually, it's very, very different. Yeah. So warming up for something is not stretching. This is such... It's- Right. It, it's, it's getting the cardio Exactly. This is sense. such a common misconception. Right. So much so that every paper I read when I was preparing for this segment had a section on why stretching is not the same as warming up. <laughs> I think these scientists are very sick of it. Yeah. They, and so all of them, they have why stretching is not <laughs> warming up. Um, and so there was actually a pretty big study done um, about five years ago now on 3,000 um, people, 3,000 runners. Yeah. That looked at dynamic stretching, too. Um, and that had people who were already runners um, from all over the world participate in this thing. Um, and they assigned them to either stretching or not stretching and to different types of stretching. Um, and they were looking both at performance and also at injury prevention. So the other, the other part of the puzzle. Um, and so they found a few interesting things. So thing one if you usually stretch, if you're a runner who has a stretching routine, and then you're put into the group that's not allowed to stretch, your injury rate goes up. Mm-hmm. So if you are already a stretcher, you should keep stretching because your body is used to it. Right. Which so makes, maybe it's that doing it wrong. Maybe it's not that doing it wrong becomes doing it right, but don't correct doing it wrong by doing it wronger. Anyway, right. that's my theory. And well, it's actually it's a good theory because if you look at a lot of um, things that happen with runners, when every people try to correct someone's running, injuries go up in the immediate term. Um, Sometimes eventually in the long term they go down, you know, once you correct someone's running stance or whatever it is you're correcting. But there's often an uptick in injury because your body's not used to it and you are still doing it wrong. Um, You don't really know what you're doing. But um, stretching did not prevent injury. Mm -hmm. So not stretching if you were used to stretching, bad, but that's the only effect. So if you start stretching and you didn't stretch before, you are no less likely to get injured than someone who didn't stretch. And this is dynamic stretching. This is dynamic okay. stretching. Um, we're, we're, we're done dynamic with, stretching again. Um, so you have to go. Your muscles have to go through a range of motion. Okay. Um, so you actually stretch while moving. Okay. So you know squats are a form of dynamic stretch. Uh-huh. Um, if you one of the one of the things that you often see people doing is jumping and like doing kind of weird type things like that, turning your arms in circles yeah. and stretching them. So basically, I mean, dynamism, you you move. It's theoretically the definition is actually what you were talking about. It's using the antagonistic force of the opposite muscle. Um, yeah. Wow. S- something something along I those that just lines. Meant teasing the muscle. Yeah. <laughs> Bullying the muscle. All right. Um and so so that's what they found for injury. They didn't find any performance benefits. They did find that um it was slightly less bad, but this effect is not really significant um to stretch after 
than to stretch before. And it sometimes feels good for people to stretch after and it doesn't really hurt. Um, so it might be more of a placebo, but stretching before can hurt. Stretching after it seems can't really hurt. Right. Um, although there's really no good reason for it because you are supposed to let your muscles recover. You're not supposed to, it's the exact same logic. You're not supposed to stress them even more. Yeah. Um, and so I want, let's try to figure out why it seems to help your, your calves are tight. You stretch a calf. It's not like it doesn't, maybe it's just that like right when you stop, it feels so much better than the baseline. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it just returns to the baseline, but that feels better. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, that's there's, there's something to I it. Why. There's something to it. But massage does work. Massage does work, but huh. massage is very different. Yeah. Um and so so for now we we don't really have any good evidence that stretching prevents injury right. or that it helps recovery. Right. Um so this is great. So, before or after. Yeah, before or after. But the one thing after. we know is if you started doing it, keep doing it. Yeah, if you but started don't doing Don't start stretching. Right. Yeah. Don't there's absolutely after is better than before, but just better at better in terms of being less worse. Right. <laughs> and and this is as far as we know. Listen, yeah. maybe someone will will find something different. And there are people who will dispute this because people are evangelists about mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. their type so of stretching. So forget the injury and forget the stretching to help with yeah. the race. What about that one thing we were talking about, just stretching for performance? Nothing. No. Nothing well, it depends. Yeah. So here's the thing. Stretching makes you stretchier. Yes. <laughs> so it improves your flexibility. Right. The funny thing is people don't actually know why. I think why. jump higher. I knew a guy who so, could dunk bef- if he stretched, so, but he didn't So, stretch yeah. Them. So for, for things like jumping, yeah. like for things where you actually need stretchiness, yes. stretching can improve performance. Reaching the thing in the high shelf. So, yeah. yeah. So so that that is true. But for things like running, you don't need stretchiness. Right. Because stretching improves your range of motion and flexibility. Maria Konnikova has been called the greatest nonfiction journalist of our generation, though I say that is a stretch. She does help us from week to week as we do an Is That Bullshit segment. Oh, we, we, we didn't give the grade. Stretching, is that bullshit? It's kind of bullshit, it's Mike. It's kind of bullshit. I love it. Thank you, Maria. Thank you to the greatest podcast host of his generation. Okay, although, so end the tape there. End the tape there. <laughs> <laughs> although that might be a bit of a stretch. Bit of a stretch. How do you feel great on vacation? Like, really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. And now the spiel. At 8 p.m., MSNBC airs Chris Hayes' program All In, At 10, they air Lawrence O'Donnell's The Last Word. In between, Rachel Maddow has a show. It's called The Rachel Maddow Show. But last night, it could have been called The Big Tease with Rachel Maddow. The Long Windup starring Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow's anticipatory taxapalooza. Remember that seminal MSNBC program, Alan Keyes is Making Sense? We now had Rachel Maddow is building tension. Maddow had Donald Trump's taxes. She tweeted that she had Donald Trump's taxes, and then the White House released 
the 2005 returns as she promised that we would soon see the 2005 returns. It was only two pages, so the only withholdings we got to witness was Maddow for the first 20 minutes on MSNBC. For a second, I thought she was going to postpone the big reveal until 1040 for tax form symmetry. But finally, a little less than halfway through her own program, she unveiled the goods. What I have here uh, is a copy of Donald Trump's tax returns. We have his federal tax return for one year for 2005. I believe this is the only set of the president's federal taxes that reporters have ever gotten a hold of. Dum, dum, dum. Donald Trump paid his taxes in 2005. As when Trump successfully read from a teleprompter without catching fire two weeks ago, here was evidence that Donald Trump did what should just normally be done, what hundreds of Americans are required by law to do, and it was greeted as sweet vindication by the White House. Donald Trump Jr. tweeting, thank you, Rachel Maddow, for proving to your Trump-hating followers how successful real Donald Trump is and that he paid $40 million in taxes. Actually, 38 but that's okay. After that... Senior tweeted from the White House, does anybody really believe that a reporter who nobody ever heard of went to his mailbox and found my tax returns at NBC News fake news? However, the taxes that NBC revealed totally matched the figures that Trump released. So it was actually not fake news. It was fine news. Trump paid about 25 percent in taxes in 2005. Should be noted that the uh, the lie and the accusation Donald Trump paid no taxes that stemmed from the revelation during the campaign that in 1995, Trump took such a big loss that he wouldn't have had to pay taxes for up to 18 years. That we turn what should be a normal part of public service, disclosure of the president's assets into a fought over reality show is another example of how unnormal the Trump presidency is. Will the annual turkey pardon require the Ninth Circuit to weigh in? See you in turkey court, the White House will tweet. Perhaps disclosures will reveal that key Trump insiders had been taking money to represent turkey interests. It's happened before. But back to the taxes. It was a fine piece of news, though a poor piece of showmanship. Trump is an expert on one and a willful inexpert on the other. But it is news. Sure, it's news. Didn't contradict any confirmed past news or assertions. It wasn't news that particularly wore down the shoe leather on the part of the reporter, David K. Johnson, who received the taxes through the mail. Johnson, by the way, suggested a culprit who might have mailed them. It's entirely possible that Donald sent this to me. Donald Trump has, over the years, leaked all sorts of things. The uh, very sleazy girl-on-girl pictures of the First Lady in the New York Post may have come from Donald. The uh, front pages of the state tax returns that we had uh, that were sent to the New York Times and the New York Daily News last fall may have come from Donald. Donald has a long history of leaking material about himself when he thinks it's in his interest. That aside, the provenance of the taxes has become a, a hot a hot W4 on W4 hot topic of speculation in the media. That it was Trump or Roger Stone or another Trump surrogate has become, appropriately enough, the standard deduction. But even if it was Trump who was behind the leak, Trump wasn't the one who turned the news into a spectacle akin to the opening of Al Capone's vault. Only when Geraldo did open Al Capone's vault, there was nothing there. The way the Trump tax episode played out would have been like if Geraldo found documentation inside the vault that Al Capone really did a bunch of great charity work. 
Uh, but the charity was fueled by a crime syndicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at this documentation of all the milk that he distributed to Chicago school kids. Uh, yeah, he uh, also murdered people. St. Valentine's Day massacre. Okay, in that case, our next hour of coverage, we will explain why it's the murders you should be caring about, not the milk money, even though we built up and hyped up what turned out to be some pretty good PR for a crime boss. But don't worry, we will take the next 40 minutes explaining why it only seems that Gambino Twitter is getting it all wrong by mocking us. A sad story, which is to say actually a fine, solid story marred by unwarranted spectacle. Oh, by the way, if we were talking about Donald Trump and Al Capone, there is one big difference between them, at least so far. Al Capone was eventually called to account for his tax chicanery, and that is still an open question with the president. And that's it for today's show. Just producer Mary Wilson punctuates her cool-down period with a fribble. A fribble from Friendlies. It's the crazy name drink that's just a milkshake. Chris Berube warms up to produce the gist by doing his scales. 185 pounds. Yep, okay. Now the next one. 184 pounds. Okay, gotta calibrate. Steve Lichtai, executive producer of Slate Podcast's routine, involves a calf stretch, which is how he describes squeezing into the suede pants he's owned since college. Andy Bowers, chief content officer of Slate Podcasts, deploys the seated half-king pigeon pose, and he sometimes mixes it up with the standing twisted quarter-moon squirrel posture, and that is when you hear the snapping sound. The gist, we make sure to stretch our quads, glutes, hammies, rectus abdominis, external obliques, upper trapezius, lower trapezius, and hip flexors, which explains the groin strain. Umpru depru dupru, and thanks for listening. I know you listen to podcasts. I can prove it. You just heard me say that. And unless you're actually in the room with me, get out of here, Dave. Unless you're Dave, you know how to listen to podcasts. Now, I'm sure you want to spread the joy of podcasts. Or maybe you're the kind of person who only likes the bands that no one else likes. And then when they book big clubs, they're like, oh, I used to like them on their first album. We're still in the first album phase of this media. But we do have to grow it. Because remember, that band that you wanted to keep to yourself, they could break up due to lack of interest. So this is where the tripod campaign comes in. All this month, you want to find a friend, relative, a curious stranger. Okay, that could be fraught. And show them how to try podcasts. Hello, are you a stranger? You are a curious stranger. Let me show you my iPhone now. Okay, just take it, you know, pump the brakes on curious stranger a little. But get this person who you think or suspect might like podcasts and then share your story on Twitter with the hashtag tripod okay so you do whatever you can to get a new b into podcasting but then afterwards you tweet about it and you do try pod hashtag try pod together we could delete podcast unawareness <laughs>